we're no longer the folks that just do the pretty stuff. It's everything that happens in marketing is grounded on an insight. B2B has the potential to be electrifying. But the industry is paralysed by a culture of conservatism. Scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas. It's time for change. It's time to make B2B marketing visceral. Join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers. This is B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. Hello and welcome to B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. I'm Benedict and today I am joined by Director of Partner Marketing at Cisco, Terry Donovan. Terry, welcome to the show. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Hi, Benny. <laughs> Great to see you. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Likewise. Uh, and I'm going to get on to the topic discussion in a minute. But before we start, just a moment for our viewers who maybe aren't familiar with you. Give us the 30 seconds of Terry Donovan. Oh, my goodness. No pressure. OK, <laughs> so Terry Donovan, um, I've worked at Cisco probably now for oh, about nine, 10 years, I'd say. Um, yeah. B2B space for some time now and working in brand and in CIO and enterprise marketing and obviously most recently looking after partner marketing at Cisco in EMEA. Um, prior to that, been in agency side. I have uh, worked in consumer marketing as well. So yeah, lots of uh, different areas to look after. And on the personal side, two kids very much into their rugby. wonder if that will come up today. Um, and a husband at home and a little fur baby, Alfie. So that's a little bit about me. Oh, very nice. Well, you've, you've given me a number of points there, which I can pick up on later. And perhaps we will discuss which rugby team you support and we can get tribal around, around rugby. Um, now, today we're going to be talking around data in marketing. Now, funnily enough, that's actually not a topic that we've covered a huge amount on um, B2B marketing, the provocative truth, mm. although it obviously does come up as sort of an underlying layer. But our conversation, I think, is going to be quite far ranging. We're not just going to be looking at it purely from sort of like what is the data which is being spat out of your, your tech stack, but actually looking more broadly at data in relation to the marketing profession. Yeah. Which brings me on to a provocative truth that I want to kick off with. Mm -hmm. And that's it that the traditional marketer doesn't have the quantitative ability to succeed in today's profession. What's your reaction to that? Not true. There we go. <laughs> Just flat out denial. No, I'm not with it. I'm not with you on that one. No, I think, you know, there's a lot of um, new skill sets mm. um, that are having to kind of be developed and nurtured, I think, through, frankly, all professions. The world's mm. changing place. And digital and the pre prevalence of digital and everything we're doing from a marketing perspective means that there's an awful lot more to think about in terms of analytics, demonstrating results, mm. doing the right thing, focusing on what really matters and makes a difference. And with that, there are skills to nurture and grow. Um, but there is absolute capacity within marketing. Marketers always through the ages have been very much focused on being creative and focusing on what the audience needs first. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the ability to really find that data, uh, find the, not the data, the insights from yep. the data that's out there, I think is, um, is a skill that is, um, is definitely being enhanced right now. Other skills um, still to be found and, and still to be seen in the future. But I think there's a, I, I think, no, I think marketers today can absolutely succeed. There we go. That's yeah. an impassioned defense absolutely. of the profession. That's what we like absolutely. to hear. So uh, just to, I suppose, to um, help, help tell the story really mm. of like that data and, and marketing. Yeah. You know, from your perspective, if you look to look at it over, say, a five, 10 year period, 
how has this sort of the advent or certainly the sort of the emergence of lots and lots of data anyway, mm. how has that caused the marketing profession to evolve? It's really interesting. I was um, speaking to somebody the other day and reflecting back on one of the first jobs I had um, in the marketing sphere as I left university, actually. And um, I would often find myself, I was um, working in media buying mm -hmm. and um, I found myself, this is going to show my age a little bit, talking about banner advertising and it was very exciting. <laughs> it was very exciting It's still territory. exciting today. It's still, still very exciting, exciting today. But it was like brand new and sparkly yeah. and shiny and like the move from print and thinking about placement and mm. voucher copies and moving into that digital world where we can actually record clicks and, yeah. you know, think about placement in different ways. Um, that's kind of where we were. And it's amazing for me to see how over the last 10 years, actually, maybe a little bit more, um, there has been such a shift in that and that now everything is, you know, way beyond a banner click, right? Mm -hmm. um, nowadays, it's, it's you know, there's, there's so many things that we can measure, so many sources we can draw from to do the right thing. Um, and with that, you know, it, it can be scary territory when you think about the pace of that change over the last 20 years. 10 years, we'll stick with 10, thank you. When we think about the pace um, over that time, I, I think it's, it's, it's kind of scary on reflection mm. how fast things have changed, but it's a huge time for opportunity in the marketing space. And I think as we start to bring more data and insights into the way we market, there's an opportunity to, to develop to develop better marketing, better results, better credibility mm -hmm. as a marketing function. You know, we're we're no longer, if it ever were true, the colour inners. Mm. Um, we're no longer the folks that just do the pretty stuff. We're, it's everything that happens in marketing is grounded on an insight um, about the audience, about how we engage, and 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 so on. So I think you know those ten years have have really, I think, opened people's eyes to the profession of marketing. And it's interesting. And I think I'm going to I'm really keen to talk sort of later about that that tension between the sort of the ultra quant and then more of the sort of artistic side to to marketing. Mm. Um, but I just want to get a little bit more understanding of that sort of the change that's occurring within organizations. Have, have you seen a different sort of almost language that has appeared within sort of marketing meetings and the way that we're sort of making the case for marketing? where historically we would be using our words to tell a picture and relying on sort of intuition for people to understand that. Yeah. And now we're just talking in pulling number terms or where are we within that spectrum? You know, this, this obviously is a subject very close to my heart. And mm. I think that um, ultimately that intuition mm. is still something that differentiates in the marketing space. And I think that that will not go. And one of the expressions I, I seem to have coined and used a few times very recently even, is that data is the tool, it is not the rule. So you really need to be able to, and I've probably stolen that from somewhere, but you know, it's something that I keep coming back yeah. to um, because ultimately all the data and insights we have mean nothing unless there's somebody that can interpret those and really work out how that impacts the marketing approach that we take. And I think the overall language is therefore changing. So yes, we still need to work with intuition and yes, we still need to be very creative about how we cut through. Um, but conversations need to go beyond, um, you know, just that. So we need to ground them in the insight and the intelligence on what our audiences are looking for. And we need to move, even when it comes to 
demonstration of results from or we are moving we have moved I think from some of those early vanity metrics so I spoke earlier um, about not that it's completely a vanity metric but you know click throughs for example yeah. yes of course we want to measure that yes we want to know people click but ultimately what really matters it's a behavioral change that we want to be able to track and notice through the data that we collect and I think that that in itself changes the conversation. So the data used very much to inform what we do. So it's not just intuition and instinct, but it's mm -hmm. based on what we see and observe. Um, and data in terms of the way we demonstrate and talk about the success, what we're headed for, and um, and what we deliver in the end that matters to the business. Indeed. And, mm. and let's, let's say that you've coined Data is a oh, that's my phrase. I'm no, no, saying I'm, I coined it. I think it. We're, all, we're all comfortable. Comfortable that <laughs> you, you've coined, coined that phrase. Copyright Terry Donovan. Arguably, maybe you've launched that phrase <laughs> to, the, to the world Perhaps on this not, podcast. But thank you. Um, but do, do you think that's a problem then? That um, we've almost got to a point where we're being too prescriptive. Well, sorry, we're we're letting data be too prescriptive to us um, and making sort of too black and white decisions rather than appreciating the nuance, rather than trying to sort of extrapolate what that's meaning and combining that with a more intuitive understanding? I don't think we are doing mm. that, but I think this is where, I mean, going back to your provocative truth yes. at the beginning, I think this is where the skill of the marketer really needs to come to the fore um, because it's 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 very easy to just look at the data and make decisions. Is this working? Is this not mm. working? But there can be very valid and genuine reasons why something's working. And remember that it's not just a go, no-go decision in marketing. It's about how you optimize and learn on the journey. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that just by looking at a positive or a negative number. So you really need to get deep into the weeds, if you like, mm. of, of what the data's telling you. Um, when you're looking at performance of marketing campaigns, for example. So you really know where those little tweaks and levers are that you need to adjust um, to have the desired effect. And um, and know that, you know, you're never going to go into a campaign with all the answers. You need to adjust um, as you go. And I think that's a really important skill that marketers can bring to the table. That agility is is so incredibly important and can only be informed by the data. Yes. Um, you know, so that's a, that's a really important element, I think, of what the marketer's doing. Absolutely. And you talk there about sometimes the need to to get into the weeds because a you know a positive or a negative number in itself doesn't tell the whole story. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, I think a lot of people's reaction when you talk about going into the weed is that you sometimes you get overwhelmed with all of the, the different data. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's very easy <laughs> to do. Um, I, I mean, I can actually sort of relate to that just this morning. I sort of paralyzed myself, I think, possibly with with too much data. Right. Now, what approach do you take? I suppose what recommend, recommendations would you give to seeing the important data and, mm. oh, sorry, identify what data is important and what data is just simply interesting? How do you yeah. get that focus and how do you critically just disregard Ooh. stuff that's not relevant? This, I think, is the holy grail, mm. actually. I wish I had the perfect answer. Um, and I think, you know, Working at an organization like Cisco, I'm incredibly mm. lucky that we have an awful lot of information, data, insights at hand um, that can create challenges as well. And grateful, actually, that we have fabulous analytical and insight teams within mm. Cisco that help. Um, but what's really important, I think, is to, as I've mentioned it already, knowing how to navigate and, um, you know, really understanding what matters um, the problem is you can look at the same spreadsheet of data one day and the next and spot something quite different. Mm. Um, and I think it's really important just to to be open 
So it might be that certain data points give you information that they don't next time you look. You know, you're going to see, as I said earlier, different levers that you're going to need to adjust when you're reviewing how your marketing's going. So I think when you've got all that data to work with, my tip would be, you know, strip it back, keep it as simple as possible, look for the trends, look for the little flags that tell you mm. there's something that needs an adjustment and work with your analytical and insight friends within your organizations, those people that have those amazing skill sets to find ways to simplify and visualize some of that mm. data. But I think always you have to be ready for a bit of a, you know, some a piece of data or an insight that bubbles mm. up that you weren't expecting. So you need that agility to come with it. But, you know, though the use of dashboards and visualizations, I think, are critical and just being open to kind of poke in other directions occasionally and test yeah, yourselves. Definitely. And I think oh, it's interesting you talk there about the data and analytics mm. teams. And I think this almost ties into the, the provocative truth about sort of the right sort of skill sets now. Yeah. I oversimplified, arguably, that provocative truth and talked about uh, a marketer as a sort of a homogenous group of, you know, just single individuals or whatever it might be. Um, in, in Cisco, do the data analytics team sit within marketing or is that a separate function? Yep. Yes. That's okay. an easy one. Yeah. All right. Nice. Easy <laughs> yeah, question. absolutely. Easy question. And, yep. and need to, right, in terms of understanding, you know, what we need to be mm. focused on and where we need to make adjustments. So, yeah, absolutely essential that, that we have that link. And, 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 and I think it's a really, really good and interesting tension, which I'd like to sort of explore in a minute, you know, between that sort of the, the quant and maybe more of the traditional sort of marketer in terms of background. But yeah. just to sort of bring it to life for, well, for me and for also the people listening in, what does that relationship look like? Do marketing brief, um, the, I appreciate everyone's in marketing, but the people who are more on the traditional side of marketing, do they brief into the data analytics team? This is what I want to find out. Mm -hmm. And then you get a report back and you just digest it. Or is it much more of a sort of a dialogue and yeah. ongoing sort of constructive tension between the two? Definitely the latter. And yeah. it has to be. Yeah. Um, as I said earlier, data is a, a fabulous tool, mm. but not the rule. Um, I'm going to use it again and again. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But um, yeah, I think uh, it has to be a dialogue all yeah. the way. Um, ultimately, you know, I've, I, I, I rewatched the Apollo 13 movie the other day. This is a bit random. Sorry. Rewatched that. And I was watching all of those guys sat in the room at NASA in the movie you know, mm. with all the data in front of them and thinking those are precisely the types of skill sets that we need more of mm. now. Um, because, you know, it's very much about identifying, you know, from all of these reams of data where there are things you need to act on or, or react yeah. upon. And, uh, you know, it's really important that working with that team, you know, with our insights and mm. analytics friends, um, that we find ways, as I said, to visualize, to simplify and to capture what we need to be looking at equally um, you know, that data doesn't always give you the answers to the questions you're seeking. So you do need to poke sometimes at, at the data and say, you know, what about this? Are we thinking, you know, it needs to be a dialogue. You need to, you know, data is only as good as the question. <laughs> I know, absolutely. And I think you've um, predicted almost yeah. where I was sort of going a little bit there in yeah. terms of, uh, and I like the sort of that sometimes that you need, need to poke. And I'm, I'm really yeah. interested to hear what are those questions that we need to ask from people from more of a quant background to get those best results? But before mm. you answer that, just very quickly, yes. where does the power balance lie between the um, your data analytics teams and then potentially more of your brand teams or campaign teams? 
oh, I don't know. It feels fairly even, I think, honestly. Yeah. And I, that sounds like I, that's the answer I should it's very give. Very diplomatic <laughs> answer to give. No, it does. I mean, there are times where we need insights to be able to kind of really make, mm. you, you asked, do we brief the data yeah. team? No, we need the insights to be able to inform the brief. Yes. Right. So there are there are different times, I guess, where diff- the, you know, the the different teams kind of step in to give the insight, but then they but then, you know, it's needed that there's that insight and, and um, thought of, you know, what's happening out there in the marketplace mm-hmm. that you need to apply to that data. So um, I, I don't know, it kind of bounces back and forth, which I think is the best way for constructive dialogue. So I think it's an even power balance. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. It can be both be. a diplomatic very di- and accurate answer. Very diplomatic, answer. So but fine. very true. Well, maybe we can be less <laughs> diplomatic now. So how do you poke? How do you get the, how do you uncover those truths from poking? Oh, how do we poke? Um, it's really hard to give a generic answer on that yeah. because it depends what you're looking at, right? So sometimes it's, as I say, you have a question and the data isn't giving you the answer. Mm. So you can poke at, well, this is the question I'm looking for. Help me build that picture. Help me tell that story with the data. Help me get that learning. So there's those things. Also, you know, I mentioned earlier, alluded to the fact that, you know, you get the data, but you need to be able to apply that context to it. So I think sometimes it's really important to me and obviously working in partner marketing, we have a group of fabulous partner marketing managers mm. out there that are working with our, with all of our partners through the region and globally, of course. And, um, you know, they, they are on the ground. They are having the conversations. They are planning, you know, based on what's actually happening in the market today and having those live conversations day in, day out. So it's really important to get their feedback um, as well to help shape what the right questions are, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, as you go through and start working with that data and to hone it as you go. So I think, um, yeah, as I say, difficult to give a generic answer, but I think you always need to be poking. You always need to be thinking, right, what's the question that I've not asked yet? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think it's also, it's it's making sure that you do commit to asking the questions because I've seen this in in meetings and, you know, just in, in a number of different sort of environments where we're almost too trusting of the data. Mm. We get the we get presented with the data and either we just don't want to engage with it because it feels overwhelming to engage with it and potentially it's a thread that will unravel too many things or we're just implicitly too too trusting, but we don't question enough. Mm. Did you think that's true that we've almost become too trusting of the data and not sort of cynical enough sometimes I don't know if I'd say that in Mm. in my experience that's the case Mm. no and maybe I'm I'm, I know I'm blessed to work with the people and the teams that I work with um but no I think um that that provocativeness sorry to steal the the term from your podcast series but that I'll 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 steal (laughs) the one about it's a tool not a rule so exactly (laughs) that need to be provocative and ask questions is something that personally I really encourage and look yep. for and and you know drive in mm. myself um so i think it's yeah i think it's important that you kind of have those people within the team that mm. are brave enough to poke and not just you know what marketing would be really boring mm. if we just delivered and acted upon you know one set of findings and then delivered a campaign and then said here you go thank you very much here's the yeah. results um it's that would be a boring job <laughs> um much more interesting to see where you can 
where you can change things, where you can make it better, where you can learn, where, where maybe you can do A-B tests, mm -hmm. where you can try new things. And I'm a big fan of the pilot, <laughs> a big fan of, you know, testing out new ideas and theories. And, um, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's important to to encourage that, if I'm honest. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that we've got to be provocative, as, as you said. Yes. Um, <laughs> and where does qualitative sort of data fit into this? Because I think that... And it, We've probably the majority of our conversation has been more around things that you can properly quantify, mm. but actually there's still a huge amount of value in terms of qualitatively understanding something, speaking to your sort of target audience and forming sort of opinions based on that. Yeah. How does that fit in within your marketing program, I suppose? Qualitative insight. Hugely. And more difficult to put in a chart mm. or a spreadsheet, mm. of course. Um, but really important for us, again, in partner marketing, we're always listening to feedback. We're always mm. seeking it. There's always new mechanisms, sessions, meetings, and also, of course, partner, mar partner marketing managers on the ground speaking um, to the partners and, and the, the organizations we work with. So um, we're always listening for that. Um, and actually, oftentimes, it's those little nuggets and gems of feedback that feed us the questions we need to be asking mm. of the data. So it's all kind of a circular um, system, really. So, uh, yeah, difficult to kind of capture all of that in spreadsheets and charts, but actually um, that has to be part of the picture. You have to be thinking about the feedback and, and the concepts and the concepts, sorry, the the um, the conversations that are mm. happening out in the field to be able to you know, shape what the data means to you and how you need to go to market. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's certainly something that I would mm. wholeheartedly agree with. The, yeah. the amount of insight that you can get from having a couple of well-constructed oh, conversations. Gosh. Absolutely. And unstructured conversations, actually, yeah. um, is, is really, really immeasurable. Yeah. Um, and and you, you spoke there around sort of the, you know, those wonderfully surprising gems of information that you, you find there. And sort of a hypothesis that I've got is that certainly in bigger organizations, you're sitting on sort of an untapped goldmine of information. Now, whether that's sort of quantitative data or whether that's that's insight, if from your experience working for a large multinational organization like Cisco, is that the case? And if it is, how have you managed to start to uncover some of that uh, gold? Yeah, well, we are... <sighs> We've got a lot of work happening at the moment, not just in partner marketing, broadly in, in the whole of marketing at Cisco, where we're really looking at what we can do from an account-based marketing perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, again, it's very, you know, very data-driven, but there's a lot of relationship um, insight that needs to be borne in mind when you're building those plans out. Um, and that comes from the people, right? That comes from the people that have relationships with partners, with customers, etc. So really important, I think, when you're building out plans that you're kind of looking at um, how you can tap into those teams that are on the ground. I mentioned the PMMs earlier and and so on, but how, how you can really bring those people on the ground into shaping the strategies mm. and and giving you insights on um, the right way to frame those campaigns and programs. And how do you, I know this is really practical in some respects, mm. but it, it, it's something which I, oh, cause I completely agree with what you're you're saying there. Mm. When we're working with with a lot of clients on sort of str strategic work, it's yeah saying that you you've got so much information that you can uncover if you've actually engaged with your your people rather yeah. than keeping it as a closed little working group. Yeah. So in sort of practical terms, what forums do you create to make sure you are getting that sort of ground up perspective? 
forums, I mean... Um, well, well, forums not, might be the wrong word, but, you know, how yeah, are you getting, how are you no, getting No, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, there need to be forums, mm. absolutely. And there are opportunities where, you know, we'll, we we have events regularly with yeah. um, with our peers in other partner organisations and, and, you know, discuss with them feedback and what we can do better with our mm. data and how we sh- can shape, shape campaigns together. And ultimately, all of our partners and distributors are, are extensions of our mm. team, you know. Um, so really important that we nothing can replace, as you quite rightly point out, Benny, the the kind of actual conversations yeah. that you can have around a table with people. So we're always finding ways to do that. We also have, um, you know, community discussions as well. So that might be on um, WebEx Teams groups or mm-hmm. in various communities um, that exist through the organization. Um, and we have a lot of, there's a lot of advocacy work actually that's happening yeah. um, at Cisco. Um, we've got phenomenal teams working on that. Um, and really important that we're we're hearing from those that are advocating for Cisco as well to understand what what they see mm. from their perspective. Where can we do better? Where can we shape things better? And I think it's it's really important. You know, it's, it's difficult. There's so many different places, but I'm focusing here on the people input because yeah. I do think it's uh, it's finding those opportunities to engage, not just in one to one scenarios, but in those events, in those meetings, in those community sessions. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Um, you know, I think. You're, you're right to sort of expand it beyond forums there because I think it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's almost, I think, it's actually just institutionalizing that that practice of that communication and getting the sort of the insights in. Because it's one of the first things that does fall. Yes. So look, uh, what we, uh, firstly, it's been a really, really fantastically interesting conversation here. Now, mm. before I let you go, um, we always have one question which we ask people that come on to the podcast. Um, as you know, we are all around trying to make B2B marketing provocative or also as we talk about it, making B2B marketing like a visceral experience because we think yes. there's just so much potential yes. within the industry and it's untapped. People aren't delivering at the moment and B2B marketers, there's, there's a clamor for, for it. So question to you, when was the, or what was actually the last piece of whether it was advertising, marketing, communications, whatever it might be. Yeah that you really felt in your guts that moved you on that sort of deep emotional level. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to tell you, I'm going to give you my instinctive answer, which is a B to C one. That's absolutely Um, fine. There's lessons from B to C. There's lots of learnings there. Um, And that for me, and this is kind of close close to my heart. We didn't talk about the rugby. I'm going to talk about the rugby. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Um, But my daughter is my youngest and um, she's very sporty and she's, you know, really into this. So it's Mm. not surprising that I'm going to mention, you know, the, the lionesses within yeah. the football and the uh, the red roses, the England mm. roses when it mm. comes to the rugby. I have loved all of the, it's not even one campaign, right? But all of the pieces of, of advertising and marketing and what have you around those two things. Obviously, there's been a huge peak yeah. when it comes to the, uh, the football and the ladies football recently. But that for me has had such a strong impact because it's such an important message and um, from a creative perspective, it's really been able to tap into the emotive um, message out mm-hmm, to all mm-hmm. of those little girls that can be inspired. Um, and even, you know, some of the the smaller pieces of marketing that are, I say smaller because they're more tar- targeted, mm-hmm. but certainly not less powerful. In fact, quite the opposite. You know, when there are marketing um, pieces that are coming to me and my family where my daughter can sit and be inspired by her peers in those sporting places and see the power that women can yeah. have, you know, th- that has really got to my gut. 
recently and I've been really proud to uh to have kind of seen that journey and and from a distance um yeah. uh, and see that impact on my daughter as well so yeah I think for me that's probably one of the most powerful emotive campaigns that I've seen from a number of brands actually oh, yeah. absolutely I mean the, yeah. the one that comes to mind and probably is because one of the biggest is the um I can't remember if it's EE or BT but mm. the it's not their problem yes it's, it's our problem and yeah. that's I mean, it's it's a great piece of creative. It, it really it tells the story, yeah. but I think it's also just such a good example of how taking a provocative approach actually works because it, it's yeah. provocative in terms yeah. of a lot of its content um, covers some of the taboos yeah. which wrongly exist within society and actually just need to be scrubbed out. Yeah, but it's also provocative in its message where it's challenging. Mm. You know, it's directly challenging a problem in society and it's directly challenging a group. And this, in case, men. Yeah to take some responsibility uh, and realize that they are, you know, part of the problem yeah. effectively. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think thanks for bringing that one up because I think it's, I can really see how that is, it's powerful for everybody, but yeah. definitely can be powerful if you are within that community. Definitely. A, and I love a, female, a hashtag so, me. Yeah. And there's been hashtags on those campaigns like mm. Never Settle from Nike and Outbelieve from Sky yeah. around those themes. And I've, I've loved some of those, you know, the message that's in there that's succinct and powerful. Well, thank you very, very much, Terry. As I said, it's been an absolute pleasure. I mean, I think that probably you've given me the ammunition I need for my, my sum up, which is that data is not a tool. It's cool. <laughs> I, I nearly, I just was Thank checking you. myself. I was going to say it in the, in the right way, but I think you know. I think it's, it's clearly that's you know very very soundbitey, and that that's we're, we're all going to remember that. But I think it's a really really important message: is that data in isolation means nothing. Data only mean makes sense when you combine it either with other data points, but also importantly, sort of qualitative insight and just that's that little it. bit of intuition. Because what makes great marketers is, yes, being able to understand what's going on, to be able to interpret different data points. But mm. unless you have that little bit of spark, that little bit of imagination, that little bit of intuition, you're never going to truly be able to sort of capture the hearts and imagination of uh, your target audience. Absolutely. So, well, we thank go. you very much for having me. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Please be marketing the provocative truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen-agency.com. You can stream B2B Marketing The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.